Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the show. What's up, Sarah? Not much. I beg to differ. I hear you're making a pretty substantial purchase or already had. Oh, no, it got delivered, didn't it? It di- got delivered while we were sitting here. Yeah. What, what, it's what a is wa- it? It's a walking treadmill that goes walking under, treadmill? It goes under your all- desk. It's a desk treadmill. Oh. So I can do two things at once. So because, you'll be working and walking. Yes. That's I can smart. make my phone calls while I'm walking so that I don't get distracted by everything else. Let's be real. You're going to have Netflix on. You're going to be walking while watching Netflix. Well, if I can roll it into my living room and and watch Netflix, I might do that too. I might do that at night, Uh you know, get some extra steps in. When when is couch time? I mean, I don't know. I'll figure that out. But I need to be a little more productive these days. You'll be walking a lot. Yeah. Okay. 10,000 steps. Cool. (laughs) Good luck with that. Uh, Well, anyways, I am really excited for the guest today. I'm humbled to call her a friend and I've known her for quite a while. And uh, this is a pretty crazy description, but it was on the internet, so I believe it's true. According to the Wall Street Journal's Real Trends, she was uh, she's been continuously named top 100 agents in the country by sales volume. And this is kind of crazy statistic. She has sold over 6,000 homes. So welcome, my friend, Stephanie Vitaco. Hello. Thank you for being on with us. And uh, I look, <laughs> I mean, 6,000 homes is just a crazy statistic to me. So that means you are either incredibly successful or you were selling homes since uh, like you were five years old. I was 12. Which is it? <laughs> you were 12? So we actually just crossed 7,000. So wow. Well done. Was from a few years ago. But yeah, just I've been doing this for a long time and I do it pretty intensely, as you know. I know you love it. But you um, know what I was thinking when I was setting up that joke in my head was uh, it would be fun to have a reality TV show about a five-year-old real estate agent. Mm. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> just, you know, just to me. Cute. I'm pretty sure there's some like requirements to be <laughs> That's a <realtor>. illegal? <laughs> when, when, I think you have to be 21 or 18 to get your license, actually. I think so. When did you start? How old were you? I started when I was 21. I got my license at age 21. And how, was it hard for you to break in? Like how, oh. tell me beyond. I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I was young. I was green. I didn't have any business experience, let alone real estate experience, let alone in-depth people experience. I mean, I was a kid. I was 21. So, but I had no fear and I wasn't afraid of falling down and I fell down a lot. (laughs) And it was (laughs) It was painful, but I think that's, that goes along with any time you're learning something new. Just the difference is as you, as you get older, you have, a, you have more experience that you can apply from other areas if you're going to change careers or go into real estate when, you're, you know, when it's a second career or even a third career, let alone when you are just so green and, and young. So, of course, it was, it was difficult, but I think that a lot of people give up. And because it is brutal, I mean, you don't, you know, the first year to two years, it's like an internship. You're just working to really learn. And I mean, I feel bad because the people that I learned, you learn on the public. So you're learning. And I mean, even though I had a mentor (laughs) and every, if I didn't know something, I would go ask someone and get the answers, but it's hard to get the confidence of a client when you don't know what the heck you're doing. And I mean, I looked like I was 12. So... (laughs) 
I was young, I looked young, and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Good combination. Did you start your career um, here in Los Angeles? I did, yeah. I grew up here, and this is I've lived here since I was 10 years old, and this is the only place I've sold. I've sold real estate, so yeah. And what was your first brokerage? Fred Sands Realtors, if you remember Fred. Yeah. Uh, he was the uh, largest independent brokerage in the state of California. And I was with him until he sold the company in 2000. So I was there for a long time. Wow. Do you remember your first sale? I do, actually. Yes. In fact, you know, what's interesting is, well, my first sale was really painful, but my second sale, <laughs> I'm still in touch with those clients and I've just, Aww. I've sold many properties for them. And I just sold a property for his second wife's deceased aunt. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> if you do good by people, they remembered me being young. They remembered me like trying to figure things out. And they were patient with that because I think they saw that I was transparent and willing to work really hard and it, with their best interest. And so I've, we just maintained relationships. So, yeah, no, I remember I remember the first sale. I remember, I remember most of them, actually. Did you think about giving up in those first couple of years? Did I think about giving up? There were days, there were, there were days when, um, I questioned what I was doing and if this was the right thing to be doing, but I really didn't have a lot of other options and choices. And I, I am the kind of person that once I start something even, and this can work to my advantage and to my disadvantage, I don't want to let go. So even if it's not the right thing, I don't want to let go. If it's the right thing, I won't let go. So I was trying to figure it out and I just kept, I just kept forging ahead. Uh, once you got your bearings in the field and, and in your career, have you always had a team or did you decide to start growing a team a little bit later in your career? So what happened was the, the business naturally progressed. So I started getting my, my sea legs, so to speak, and starting to do more business. But that was during the day. And then at night I had to work, I had to service the business, right? Couldn't do it during the day because I was interfacing with clients. So then I would take care of the business after hours. And I mean, I was in the office until 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning, and then back in the office first thing in the morning. And I realized I can't do this all. So there was actually a woman who approached me. She was twice my age. She was very experienced. She was going through a divorce and I was sitting I actually like to work on the floor. So I had all my files spread out on the floor and I was working on all my stuff. And she came up to me one day and she, I'll never forget because she had her hands on her hips and she looked down at me on the floor and she said, you need my help. And I said, I, I, I can't afford you. She, since she was going through a divorce, she said, look, I'm tired of the real estate sales takes, um, as any sales take, it takes a specific type of energy level and you have to be upbeat and you can't, you, you can't let your personal stuff pull you down. And she said, I know what I'm doing and I need regular income. I can't, I can't go out and do the, the, the hunting for the business and I can see you're overloaded. So why don't you just hire me for 90 days? I'll take care of the servicing part and you go out and continue to do what, what you're doing well. And I said, okay. And I felt like 90 days was a commitment that I could adhere to because I didn't feel like I was getting married and I was going to take on this huge salary and this responsibility. Right. She was very smart because she just led me down the path. And um, of course, 90 days turned into, at the end of 90 days, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I have help. But what I didn't do is I didn't take my foot off the pedal. So I continued to work these crazy hours and more business came in. So we had to then 
add another person and then <laughs> add another person. So it was slow building. So yeah. it kind of happened organically, if you mm-hmm. will. And then my team has morphed over the years, just depending on what type of market we're in. Are we in a corporate market with foreclosures and uh, servicing multiple companies that give us multiple transactions or like a market like we are in now, which is one house, one house, one house at a time. So it seems like based on your story, and I know how incredibly hardworking you are, it seems like for real estate, just like with a lot of things, more effort, more work usually equals more success. You kind of make your own success. Is that what you would say to newer agents or agents that are still trying to make it? Or is there more to it? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you have to be available. You have to be willing to jump at the drop of a hat. This isn't, I'm sorry, today's my day off. I'll get back to you on Tuesday. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. You say that to a client, they move on. They just go on to somebody else. So you have to be able to bend and and move quickly. I mean, I remember this was years ago. I got married in 2000 and we were, I was negotiating a contract and the, I was getting married on a Sunday and it, the offer came in on Friday. I was negotiating it Friday, Saturday, counter offer came back Saturday afternoon. And they said, we want to sleep on this. Can we call you in the morning? And I said, okay, <laughs> well, I'm getting married tomorrow. So, but I understand you're not ready to make a decision. And this was, they were, this was obviously before emails and scanning the, let me send this to you. They said, well, we want to go over this with you in person. So I said, okay, I'm getting married. I can be at your house at six in the morning. I will be in jeans and a t-shirt if that works for you. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I, I didn't know what to say. So they said, sure. And so I showed up at their house at six o'clock on a Sunday morning in my t-shirt and jeans, signed the deal off, get, turned it over <laughs> to my assistant. And then I went and got married. Wow. I, I almost thought you were going to say you invited them to your wedding. Like, just come, <laughs> um, we'll dance. We'll... <laughs> That's a crazy but you just, story. You do what you got to do, you know? Right. Right. Most people wouldn't. That's the bottom line. Yeah. So how diversified is your business? Um, because especially with the more variety of types of deals you can do, like you can kind of ride these markets a little bit better, right? So how many different niches and pots are you in here? So I've done it. I've done just about everything. So I've always figured you go where the business is. So when I got into the business, which was the very late 80s, I don't know if I should say that. (laughs) It was a hot market and things were rising. And then quickly in the early 90s, the bottom kind of fell out. That was the savings and loan crisis. And all my regular clients, I'd be in someone's living room and I'd tell them what their house was worth. And they're like, oh, we can't sell. We owe more than that. And so I just followed the natural logic. Well, if you can't, if, if you, you know, if you owe more than that and you have financial problems, what are you going to do? Well, we'll just give the house back to the bank. Okay, hold on, time out. Don't do that. Give me the information for the lender. Let me call your lender. Let's work something out. And before I knew it, I was doing short sales, which then led to foreclosures. So the market moved from retail to short sale and foreclosure, right? And so you go with wherever the trends are in the market. So then I went after that business very heavily. Then the market got better in the late 90s and then go back to retail. Then the market crashed again in the 2007 crash, go back to corporate and and REO. So REO, short sales, regular people, trust, estate, probate, United States Marshal's office, you know, you name it, the, the government, the Resolution Trust Corporation, attorneys, CPAs, business managers, it's, it's real estate. So it's just 
it's just who is in charge of the asset and what is their need for selling and management of that asset or the property. Yeah. Do you still, do you still love it? After I do. All these yeah, you I do. do. I'm an addict. I do. I really love <laughs> it. You know, it feels good to do something that you have developed a strong skill set at. So there's a lot of things that I don't know anything about, but when it comes to real estate, it's all I know. So right. I take a lot of pride in being able to jump in and fly the plane smoothly, even through difficult weather. Yeah. What is difficult these days? I was going to ask you different periods, transactions have <laughs> challenges. What, what are they, what are they these days? Is it financing? So yeah, that's a good question. So right now the biggest challenge I would say is buyer confidence because mm. the momentum had just been up, 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 up. And people would get into a transaction and they just wanted it to close. Now people get into a transaction and they're like, Ooh, do I want to do this? They're questioning it. So the, the motivation is in reverse. And so therefore it's difficult. We're having to sell many properties two times, three times before it goes through. And that's not because the people didn't qualify. It's because they're terrified or they, I call it toe dipping, right? You dip your toe in the pool. It's a little too cold. You pull it back out. You really want to go swimming, but you're not sure. You put your toe back in, you pull it out. But the problem is, is it, it's, you know, you're involving so many other people, right? You're involving the sellers and where they're going. And the buyers don't, they don't go into it thinking they're going to change their mind, but it's, a huge decision. And in a market where people are fearful that the biggest investment of their life may be worth less or the interest rates high, can I afford this payment? Am I making the right decision? What if I wait? It causes mental chatter and mental chaos. And people, you know, they have the 10 days to do their inspections and just say no. So I would say the short answer, that was the long answer. The short answer is the psychological mm. aspect of managing everybody's expectations and emotions because it's emotional. Yeah. Do you see that changing? And what do you think that's going to look like this year? So I think this year we saw the biggest shift last year, right? Where we went from 3% interest rates to almost 7% interest which took a million dollar loan at 3% was roughly, you know, 4,000, $4,100 a month to over $6,000, $6,500 a month. So of course, everybody just stopped. In fact, NAR, I think the statistic for last year was that number of sales was down like 30%. And I can tell you, I mean, December was such a quiet month. And usually December, we, although we did sell, we did sell two houses on Christmas Eve, Eve. Um, but it was just quiet. I mean, like new people coming on the market, new clients coming to the market, very, very quiet. New inventory is really, really low. But we saw the biggest shift off of the absolute peak of which was probably March, where the prices hit a crescendo. And we've seen the biggest drop. And now we're sort of stable with a slow deceleration, I would say. And I think that we're going to continue like that this year. I think everybody's now on board. You know, in the beginning, the sellers are in denial. What do you mean I can't get this much for my house when my neighbor just got it a month ago? What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. You just want a fast sale. No, it's real. Well, so let me ask you this. I saw you, I saw you interviewed on CNBC a couple months ago, or uh, I guess it was late last, uh, late in 2022. Uh, and you were great, by the way. And you said to the interviewer that at least in Los Angeles or Southern California, the prices are down about 20%. And he was kind of stunned by that because of how quickly, right? Because like you said, prices were at their peak in March and now they're already down 20%. 
Do you still feel that's about the right number? And now we're steadily moving down from that? Or where are we, do you think, locally? So when I say it's down 20%, it's down 20% off of the peak. So we're mm-hmm. back to probably early 2021 values, right? Because in 2021, it was just up, 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 up. And even January, February, March of 2022. So if you look at a real homogenous neighborhood, whether it's a townhome complex or a newer development, where there just isn't a lot of time to have like, oh, you have an old house and you have a new house, you have the whole mix, this one's remodeled, this one isn't, but where they're all very similar, you can see from March by November, it was about 20% less. So I think that that was the biggest just kind of jolt. And now we are pretty steady with a slight deceleration. I don't think that we're, I don't think the bottom's falling out. And again, that was only from the absolute peak of when we hit that craziness in March. And you've been through a couple cycles. We just talked about that, right? The last one was big. We were working yes. together in the last, last time around when you were representing a lot of REOs and short sales. This feels different, right? Yep. Or how does it feel to you? What does this market feel like? Is it unique? So it is different. So I've been through three up markets, two horrific down markets. The market goes in cycles, usually seven to 10 years on average. The difference with this market is we have, so normally you have in a down market or a bad market, you have high supply and low demand. We have low supply and fickle demand. (laughs) So buyers are willing to buy, but if the price is too high for condition, location, square footage, they're like, I'm not doing this. Or once it is priced right, like I have one right now and we have two buyers they're both about $175,000 less than my asking price and $165,000 less than my asking price. Neither they they know they're in a multiple situation. Neither one knows what the other one's at and they know, okay, I'm going to put my offer in and I know somebody else is bidding, but this is all I'm willing to pay. Hmm. So people are like, yeah, I'll buy that, but I'll buy it at, at my terms. And if I don't get it, it's okay. Versus last year was, you know, Here's my watch. Here's my car. Take my kid. What is it going to take? <laughs> How does this play out? What, what do you foresee in the next year? I, I don't know. You know, if I knew that, boy, I would have bought everything in 2007, <laughs> 8, 9. I would have bought everything in the 90s and we wouldn't be speaking right now, probably. Yeah. Um, what? I would be somewhere else. No. On an um, island. I don't, I don't know. I think that, I mean, long-term real estate is good, right? You hold it, you buy it. It's a place for you to live. It's better than paying rent. So, but when you buy a property and I tell, especially first time buyers, this is that if you're going to live there for six to eight years, you're going to be fine. It's not going to matter if you paid 20,000 more or less, 30,000 more or less, even though in the midst of the negotiations, it feels like it, but you over time, it makes no difference. So if you like the home, then buy it. And it's better investment than, than renting. If you're only going to be there for two or three years, then no, don't buy. Because the cost going in and out is, is going to be prohibitive. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is a different market. So the other two markets were, uh, the other two down markets were really the catalyst was financing, right? The savings and loan crisis and the mortgage meltdown. We don't have that this time. Pretty much anybody who has purchased or refinanced since 2012 has an interest rate of somewhere between two and 4%, because for the most part over the past decade, that's where rates have, have been. 
So we have more of real estate gridlock. People saying, gee, you know what? I have an 1800 square foot house and I'd really like to get into that 3100 square foot house because I've got children and I would like more space, but I don't want to give up my 3% interest rate. I don't want to trade for the new property taxes. I'll just stay where I am. So we're seeing a lot more people just kind of real estate gridlock, less people moving. So that's where I think our our challenges. So so you don't foresee short sales or REOs in this cycle, at least not, does it look like um, it? In the month of January, right? We're in February, 2023 right now. And in the month of January, I received four REOs, which I haven't seen that in a long time. And I have one short sale right now. That's so I think we're just getting on the peripheral of it, but I don't, again, I don't, I don't know. And I don't want to try to predict, but it's not, it's not the same dynamics that it was in the nineties with the savings and loan crisis or the mortgage meltdown of 2007 and eight. So I don't think that will go that way. I do think there will be some foreclosures and I do think there will be some short sales, but not like what we've seen in the last two down markets. This will be a slow trickle. Like this whole market so. is going to be kind of a slow roll and we don't really know where it's yes, headed. Yes, because like right now I have clients and they're in financial trouble, but they have equity. So yeah. they're not going to get to that point. They call me, I've got the house on the market, we've got offers. So are they going to get as much as they would have gotten last year? But are they still going to be able to sell it without losing it, even though they're six months behind on their payments? Yeah, I'll be able to sell it before the bank forecloses. We don't have to do a short sale because the market has gone up so much that even though the market has gone up, up and up and they refinanced and took money out and now the market's given back, they still have equity. And as long as they get ahead of it and not stick their head in the sand and not want to look at it and allow someone to help them sell and realize they need to to do that, then, then it won't be a short sale or a foreclosure. At this point in your career, you have your, you have your team, you guys are cranking away. Do you do anything else? Do you, do you coach? Do you mentor? Do you bring up new agents? Like what, what do you do other than sell real estate, if anything? So I pretty much just sell real estate. Oh, <laughs> it takes all, right. all my time. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, do you ever get to go on vacation? <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure you work on vacation, but do you get to go? <laughs> I'm not a big vacation person. That's not what does it for me. And I know that sounds strange. I'm fortunate to live in a beautiful place and I don't feel the need to go somewhere to get enjoyment, right? I enjoy, I mean, not that, would I like to go see certain parts of the world? Yes. My husband won't travel with me because he says I would just be on the phone the entire time and I'd make him (laughs) crazy. So I'm okay. I'm okay if he doesn't want to. So I don't, I'm, I'm good. But I, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy routine. I'm very boring. I just like to be left alone to do what I do. So I'm not a person that's like, I want to go here all the time. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with, with what I do. I know that sounds probably... No, not at all. Do you still work on the floor? I do. <laughs> at home. Yeah, I do. At home. Not so much at my office, but at home. If you could yeah. see the mess behind me on the floor, you would see <laughs> I have piles and that's kind of how I work. I yeah. love that. What's your team look like? Nowadays, I have a I have a really good team, really good people that work for me. Uh, very fortunate um, because so much of I can't do it without them, right? So so much of what we do as professionals, we have to rely on others to to help us. So I have people who help me with the front end. So once I list a property, making sure that all because you know there's hundreds of details that go into every transaction. So, and I think 
so often as an agent, we try to wear all of the hats and in doing so we drop the ball. You just, there's only so many hours in the day and I am very detail oriented and I like to be done things to be done in a very specific manner. So I have people who help me on the front end, making sure that everything with the marketing is done consistently, strategically, and professionally. Then there's the whole offer negotiation process, whether if we have multiple offers, it all gets loaded onto a spreadsheet that we send to the seller, and then I go over it with the seller. So there's a lot of inputting and data and tracking. The communication with the seller from following up with all of the showings and letting them know what's going on with their property. The whole transaction aspect to making sure that we are staying on top of the other agent in the transaction, the lender in the transaction, the whole, all of the details. Otherwise, you know, the transaction will just go all over the place. So I have people to help me with, with all of that, with all of the details, because there's so many details. Yeah. seems like you have a really well-oiled machine at this point. It's, um, we're always trying to build a better mousetrap and it always takes tweaks. And just when you think you get settled into a pace, then the market changes and then you have to readjust to how you do things. But yeah, for the most part, it works. It works pretty well. You're representing buyers. Do you have buyers agents on your team? So yes, I have people who help me with the buyers because we get so many buyer calls. So we want to make sure that we're servicing them properly as well. Gotcha. So now that you know all this and you're incredibly experienced, right? Knowing what you know, if a younger agent that Stephanie Vitaco comes at, at age 21 comes to you and says, what, what's the secret to the success? What should I be doing for the first three years? Cause I think agents think about marketing. Okay. Should I be on Facebook? And you know, what do I, what's the one thing that's going to get me listings, but in your perspective, what would you tell them? What would you advise them for their first three years to better their chances that they make it in this industry? So I would say to stick to the basics because the basics always work. Be a student continuously educate yourself because there is so much to learn and it's just going to be a learning curve and it's going to take time. And then find what works best for you, whether that is video marketing or, I mean, go old school, pick an area and farm it, knock on the doors, meet the people because that's what it comes down to. It's people. And farming is very effective, even if you do it in person or if you do it virally, video, technically, however you want to however it resonates best with you, because what works for one person, I mean, I know, I know an agent who to this day does a tremendous amount of business off of open houses, but he puts up 30 signs on a Sunday morning and then he takes them all down and he door knocks the neighborhood before he sits the open, but that's his thing. I know other agents who do really well by using social media, but that's their thing. So I think it's a matter of finding a couple of modes that you enjoy that work for you and then sticking to them and not giving up that it's the, it's the longevity, right? It's just like when you're doing a podcast, you can't just do it once or twice. You have to do it all the time. You have to post regularly, whether it's every Monday or once every two weeks, you can't just do it here and there. And you have to give it time to gain momentum. It's same, same. Yeah. We do need that pep talk. Oh, I no. tell Sarah that all the time. Don't, don't give up. <laughs> Hang in there, Kitty. We're still on the time, yeah, gaining aspect. Takes time. <laughs> like a diet. You don't just starve for a week and then go, I've lost a bunch of weight. It takes How time. did you know that's what I did? I went on a five-day uh, fast last week. <gasps> yeah. For five days, you didn't eat at all? Well, it was, a, it was a fast mimicking diet. So I was able to eat 800 calories a day, which is essentially soup. It was like liquid soup in a bar. 
it it was not fun. It was painful. And I, I'm glad I did it, but I didn't love it. Like I don't, I don't feel any better now. <laughs> I know I've done, I've done those. And uh-huh. I actually did one where I did a complete water fast and oh. I just wanted to see how long I could go. And I know, like, I know people who do it for five days, 10 days. I got to day three and I couldn't put a sentence together. I was at right. a client's house and I, I was like, they must've thought I was on drugs or drunk because I was like, how is this? I couldn't, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, You're, the brain cells weren't working. Yeah. The next like, morning you, I had a piece of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any I water? I need some more water. <laughs> water just doesn't, it doesn't satiate you. No, actually no. Uh, the tip from the diet was drink carbonated beverages because they'll like, They'll fill you up a little bit better. A little bit better? I, a little bit better. You're still hungry <laughs> as hell. I know. I know. Yeah, I don't plan on doing that anytime soon again. Me too. Yeah. Did and you, I was going to ask you though, a real quick last question. Did you ever door knock? And did it did. work? Did yes, it work? I did. And it's very effective. I hated it, but I did it. I did it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I did it for several years. And wow. any agent can go into any neighborhood And if you do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the same 300, 500 homes, whatever, you will gain traction, but you have to do it. And then you have to keep doing it. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, consistency. I hated it though. I hated it because people slam the door in your face and they yell at you until they get to know you. And then after they get to know you, then they're okay. But I mean, I had people tell me, you literally slam the door on my face and tell me, you know, I'm, you're going to have, they're going to have to carry me out of here. I'll be dead before I leave my house. (laughs) Yeah. You kind of have to think of it as a no for now. I've definitely had agents tell me they they've had somebody like curse them out at their door and then they, they'd eventually like skip that person's house. And then this guy came out and was like, Hey, can you come over here? He like called him over because he's like, all right, now I'm ready to talk to you, you know, but, um, yeah, you keep showing up for those, for the mean ones and the ones, I mean, there's still like, I still have post-traumatic stress from this one woman and (laughs) she was gnarly. I would just leave a note and I would just leave it on her doorstep when I would go. Was it a nice note or was it like, I hate you? No, it was a nice note. Just a nice note. You were were a terrible person. (laughs) <laughs> don't yell at me <laughs> and you can't I was gonna I was about to say bringing them treats but you can't bring treats to a stranger you can't just walk up with it depends co- what it is cookies can you no not like a loose treat <laughs> loose. <laughs> no one's, what is this like Halloween I, here, in, the, in the 70s you're just here, eating apples here's half a cookie <laughs> I, I, I saved the other half for you exactly (laughs) (laughs) awesome Uh, amazing advice thank you it'll be really interesting to see what happens this year and next few years because it's a very weird market you've never seen anything like it you've been doing it since you were five years old from what i recall (laughs) that's (laughs) right 12 (laughs) but thank you for the advice and that's uh, i'm sure uh, uh, our audience will get a lot out of that yeah pleasure to have you on my pleasure thank you Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah with Glen Oaks Escrow. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.